Make sure you're subscribed to Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit that subscribe button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Many have recognized that gender ideology, transgender ideology, as it's found in our society today, while it has a lot of variations, it does also have a kind of orthodoxy. It has articles of faith. It does have many of the characteristics of a religion. What is the belief system of the new gender ideology? Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc., we're going to be talking about Gender Ideology 101 for Parents. Dr. Miriam Grossman joins us. She's board certified in psychiatry and in the subspeciality of child and adolescent psychiatry. She, in her practice, currently focuses on gender distress, young people and their parents. And she's author of several books, including her latest, Lost in Transnation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. Dr. Grossman, welcome back. Well, thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. Why do you avoid the use of pronouns for transgender-identifying people in your book? Well, I'll explain that. That was a choice that I had to make, and I saw it as a very important and difficult choice, actually. And the choice was whether I would use the new vocabulary that we have and comply with the directives of my profession, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry and other groups. However, you see, it's a language, this new language is very unclear. Even the word gender itself does not have a coherent definition. And certainly words like non-binary and cisgender I have a hard time, and I think everyone else does as well, really grasping what, what is meant by those terms. And when I use language, I want to be very careful and use exactly words that I know to what they refer. Now, another element in my decision was that if I use these new terms and preferred pronouns, as they're called, I'm basically erasing an ancient term, which is woman. So if I'm going to call a man a woman and use she, her pronouns for that man, then the word woman actually means nothing. And it's just erasing us women, which I feel very strongly about. Now, I thought about what I should do here in this book. Should I just follow the herd should I take it case by case and call a man she under certain circumstances, maybe if the person lived as a woman for a long time or made great efforts to appear female, or perhaps just call any man a woman who declares themselves to be a woman just to be kind and respectful. So those were the thoughts that were kind of going through my head. Now, Decades ago, if I had been presented with this sort of dilemma, I would most certainly have called a man she, because I am a respectful person and a compassionate person by nature. 
And this person, this hypothetical person, would have been extraordinarily rare decades ago. And why not, you know? But you see, we're living in different times. And we're living at a time when we're facing a a crusade. And that crusade seeks to demolish the idea of male and female. And a large part of that crusade the success of that crusade hinges on the control of language. So under the circumstances in which we now are living, to call a man she is not a simple thing. It's not just respect and kindness and consideration. It's actually giving in, and it is promoting a belief system that seeks to control what we believe, and it advances this agenda, one pronoun at a time. So in my book, I emphasize that male and female are permanent conditions. They are established at conception, the sperm meets the egg, and they are permanent. They are not assigned at birth or anything like that. And I urge parents to be honest with their children and consistent with their children and to stay grounded in that reality, that biological reality. So I made the decision in the book to avoid using pronouns for transgender identifying persons because if I did capitulate and I called men women, I'm therefore encouraging, by using those pronouns, encouraging him on that path, which is a dangerous path of medicalization that often ends in catastrophe, and it's all because these words, so-called words and kindnesses, can do that, and I, I refuse to be a part of it. So while it is cumbersome, I avoid using pronouns for transgender identifying persons in the book, And I reject the new vocabulary because I've seen the suffering to which it leads, and I want no part of it. What is Genderland? Genderland is the name of a chapter that I wrote in a book uh, that came out all the way back in 2009. And the name of the book was You're Teaching My Child What?, It was an analysis of sex education. In fact, the paperback is coming out next month. You're teaching my child what? And that's a book in which I exposed how comprehensive sexuality education is actually not about health. It's not about preventing sexually transmitted diseases or unwanted pregnancies. It's actually about promoting sexual freedom. And it's a very well-documented book. The last chapter in that book I called Genderland. And I discovered in my study of sex education that children were being told that they might not be boys and girls. They may be both. They may be neither. And they may be some other combination or variation of male and female, and that it was normal and healthy to 
explore whether they're truly male or female or something else. And that, in fact, to consider everybody, the human race, as falling in those two categories of male and female was a false and oppressive way of thinking. So when I discovered that, I was quite astonished and concerned. Kids who were going to be exposed to these bizarre and scientifically unfounded ideas, and furthermore, very destabilizing ideas, especially to a... I mean, I'm a child psychiatrist, so I always have in mind the kids that are vulnerable, the kids that are suffering from some emotional disorders, such as anxiety, depression. Maybe they're on the autism spectrum. They might have gone through some terrible trauma or have a family situation. So I know that those kids are at risk and vulnerable to these sorts of ideas. And that, in fact, is what has happened. I wrote that chapter, Genderland, and I predicted that the the gender ideology was going to be a, a catastrophe for our kids. That was in 2009. It gives me no pleasure, Todd, to say that I was right and that it has been and is a catastrophe. And I wish that the red flags that I had been waving all those years earlier got more attention, but they were dismissed. The book was dismissed as an extreme right conservative conspiracy theory book, I guess. It was only recognized by religious and conservative groups who were very interested in what I had to say, but, you know, that's not enough. So the kids that I'm seeing now in my office, a lot of them weren't even born when I wrote that chapter, and they are paying a terrible price for this system of beliefs that has really, there's been a crusade through our trusted institutions, medical institutions, educational, legal, government, There's been a crusade of this gender ideology belief system, and it's been wildly successful. And that is why there are so many kids now that believe they're born in the wrong body. There is no medical basis for ever believing such a thing is possible. As a child psychiatrist, what is it about the indoctrination of our children into gender ideology that alarms you the most? I think... Oh, well, there'd be so many things, but I, I think that what upsets me the most is that kids are not only told these falsehoods about male and female, they're told that if their parents do not immediately accept their new identities, and if their parents want to be cautious and find out more and ask a lot of questions, then that means their parents are bad people. And it places a wedge between the child and their parent if the parent does not follow the narrative from the get-go. I've seen one family after the next, devoted and loving parents that will do anything for their child, but they will not deny the reality of the child being a boy or a girl, and they will certainly not sign on the dotted line for these experimental interventions, medical and surgical interventions, that leaves people 
disfigured for life and possibly sterilized. So what happens over and over again is that the child is indoctrinated with these ideas and really is convinced 100% that the only path for them in life in order to be a happy and fulfilled human being is to be transgender identified, to go through social transition, new name, pronouns, using opposite sex bathrooms and so on, and then get on to the medical assembly line as well. And when the parents want to just say, hold on, I mean, let's look at this. Is this valid? Is this the only way forward? Are, Are there no other solutions to what you're going through? Maybe this is related to your autism. Let's do some psychotherapy and sit down and really examine this. The kids are led to believe that their home may not be a safe place for them. And so, and I ha- I've seen this over and over, and I write about it in my book, how schools and Child Protective Services are placing a wedge, and sometimes pediatricians place a wedge between loving parents who only want the best and their confused child. And the child sometimes ends up indeed leaving the family and being estranged from the family for years and possibly possibly forever. So I think that is the part of it that it is terribly disturbing. Kids need their parents, unless you're talking about a very rare situation in which parents truly are abusive and depriving the child of medical care. And I've seen those as a child psychiatrist. I've seen families like that. And I've reported families to Child Protective Services, and I have on occasion supported the removal of children from families under rare circumstances. But what's happening now is that in some states, and they're not always blue states, but also red states or purple states, the terms child abuse, child neglect, medical neglect, have been reinterpreted to mean parents who refuse to endorse and affirm their child in the new identity. Parents who refuse to take their child to a clinic where they will be given blockers and cross-sex hormones. And there are cases of kids who have been removed from those families by the state and placed with other families. And that, I think, has got to be Well, I don't know. There's a lot of horrible things going on. Sterilizing kids is is up there, you know. So it's hard to pick what is the worst thing. But that's certainly one of them. Dr. Miriam Grossman is our guest, author of Lost in Translation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide, Out of the Madness. We'll talk about the Articles of Faith, the belief system of gender ideology, next. I like that we get to talk about these things and we hit it from a different angle, but because we love each other and because we have the same religious views, you know, church is the centerpiece of our lives. Worship is the centerpiece of our lives. Molly Hemingway speaking at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. 
So when we are just going back and forth on politics, it's really not that important relative to the things that do in, matter. And in all safer. seriousness, if you do not have someone in your life that you both completely trust and regularly engage in arguments with, you're doing it wrong. You can watch and listen to journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway's Q&A and all of the presentations from the 2023 Making the Case Conference for a contribution of $300 by Labor Day. We'll send you links to download a podcast or watch a video stream. Order today at issuesetc.org or by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. We're doing Gender Ideology 101 for Parents with Dr. Miriam Grossman, author of Lost in Trans Nation, a Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Dr. Grossman, what is gender ideology's belief system, or as you say, articles of faith? Well, gender ideology, I explain in the book, Lost in Trans Nation, is a belief system. It is not based in science or medicine. And all belief systems have their own language and their own articles of faith, I call it. So in the book, I delineate those articles of faith. And I'm not going to read through every one of them. We don't have the time for that. But I've written it in a way it's kind of tongue-in-cheek because it kind of mimics the Ten Commandments. The first one, for example, is behold gender identity. It liberated you from oppression, from the harsh constraints of biology. Now, what that means is that the whole notion of having a gender identity is based on the idea that we can have an identity separate from our biology. And this was introduced by psychologist John Money in the 50s. He introduced the idea that aside from the sex of our bodies and our chromosomes, we have a separate sex. We have a psychological sex, and he called that gender identity. And he said that it is completely separate from biology. It's more important, and it trumps biology. I explain in the book how John Money really is the founding father of this movement and this belief. There is no 
scientific proof that there is anything called gender identity. I mean, certainly there are individuals, rare individuals, and we've always known about people who experience themselves as something other than the sex of their bodies, and it causes tremendous distress, and they have a disorder, and we need to help those people. So I want to acknowledge that clearly. However, what John Money did is he said that everybody is potentially a different sex than their body, and he encouraged this idea of being disembodied, of having a separate identity that has nothing to do with what you actually are physically, the physical reality of your existence. And so that is what gender identity is, and it is the basis for this belief system. You have to believe in such a thing as gender identity separate from your biology if you're going to accept this whole system. So that is the Articles of Faith number one. I'm not saying that people can't believe in it. They can certainly believe in it. People believe in all kinds of things. Lots of people believe in a soul, and that's fine and wonderful, but we're not teaching kids in school as a fact that people have a soul, at least not in public schools we're not. But we are teaching in public schools that they are not necessarily what their body proclaims them to be, and that they have their inner feelings trump what their body says they are. So that is an article of faith that we are teaching children. And I submit that it's a very dangerous one, because it's a destabilizing idea. And not only that, but feelings change. So what a child may feel when they're five or ten years old, or what an adult may feel when they are 20, that can change. We know that the brain is not finished the process of maturation until the mid-20s. And so feelings change. Biology does not change. Your biology is established the moment that the egg met the sperm, and you were either male or female. I'm not going to address here the very rare individuals who are intersex. That's a whole other issue. But you asked about the Articles of Faith. That was the first article of faith. The second one is that gender identity is sacred. Thou shalt not question it. Thou shalt not turn away from it to hard science. For gender identity is jealous and cannot tolerate the scientific method. And I say that because I want people to be aware that there's both hard science and soft science. And hard science studies the physical reality of the world, biology, physics, chemistry. We use the scientific method in hard science to come up with theories and then to test the theory. In soft science, such as psychology, sociology, and anthropology, it's much more difficult to use the scientific method because we're not studying the, the physical world. We're studying feelings and perceptions. When we get into measuring those and quantifying them and collecting data and comparing data, it gets much more difficult and challenging to do that. 
And I want people to be aware that the idea of gender identity as separate from sex, bodily sex, comes from soft science and not hard science. And you cannot use the scientific method in studying gender identity. You simply can't use it. How has the medical community been co-opted by gender ideology? I explain in the book that our medical associations over the decades have been captured by this ideology. I explain how it happened and how it continues to happen. I interview physicians, pediatricians, endocrinologists who tell me what has happened in their medical associations, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Endocrine Society, and other groups. They explain to me that when they attempt to challenge or call for debate on these issues relating to how to help these kids, they are not given the floor. They are not given a microphone. They write articles or letters to the editor. They're not printed. They have to go to other journals because there's a few journals in which they will allow this debate to occur. But in the mainstream medical journals, they largely are silencing this debate as if there was some sort of a referendum or debate which is what you would expect when we're talking about a treatment for children that can be permanently disfiguring and permanently sterilizing children, we should be expecting not only gold standard studies that support that. We want platinum level. And I trust you, no gold, no platinum, no copper level studies. We don't have them. And this is what's going on here. Parents are just being misled and they're making decisions about their kids while being misinformed. They are not providing informed consent. They are providing misinformed consent when they agree to these procedures. So it really is alarming. And we are in the midst of a huge medical scandal. And I'll remind your listeners it wasn't that long ago when doctors were using essentially an ice pick to enter the brain through the eye socket and a part of the one part of the brain from another, the prefrontal lobe, these lobotomies. And forty to fifty thousand people underwent this procedure and the inventor of the procedure got a Nobel Prize. And now that's one of the darkest chapters in our history. So I'm submitting that we're in another very dark chapter. And I hope that people will turn to my book because I wrote this book for parents, not for professionals. These are for regular moms and dads. And it's going to help your family to escape this medical scandal. One final question with only a minute here. What is the best piece of advice that you can give to a parent or a grandparent whose child or grandchild is dealing with this ideology of transgenderism? You want to acknowledge their feelings. It's not their feelings that are wrong. It's their beliefs that are wrong. So it's a very difficult tightrope to walk. 
but it can be done. And right now there are so many, there's so much support for parents and grandparents. And they can go to my website, miriamgrossmanmd.com. I have a, a ton of support, websites, material. They can watch me testifying in Congress from last month. And they can get educated. But when it comes to the child or the young adult, they need you. They need you. Try your hardest to just keep that connection with them, even if you disagree on this subject, because people who love each other can still disagree. It doesn't mean that the relationship has to be disrupted. It may be rough to continue with this big disagreement, but you really have to try hard to make it work and keep the child close to you. Dr. Miriam Grossman is board certified in psychiatry and in the subspeciality of child and adolescent psychiatry. Her practice currently focuses on gender distressed young people and their parents. She's author of several books, including her latest, Lost in Transnation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide out of the madness. You can purchase this book at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Dr. Grossman, thank you very much. You're so welcome. Tomorrow on Issues Etc., we'll look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, talking with Pastor Peter Bender about the parable of the dishonest manager in Luke chapter 16 and its media coverage of religion with Terry Mattingly. And on Thursday, we'll discuss the Luther battle for the Bible and church fellowship with Dr. Cameron McKenzie. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Bahama Mama, Ocean Pacific, Paradise Island. Retreat from the heat with a shaved ice snow cone from Tropical Snow in Caseyville, Illinois. It's right across the street from Collinsville High School. Tropical Snow is open daily from 1 to 9. Premium snow, epic flavors, lots of love. Tropical Snow, across the street from Collinsville High School at 2134 South Morrison Avenue in Caseyville. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. 
Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Do you dread going to work out? Performance Fitness in Edwardsville offers a fun, supportive, tight-knit community and environment. Visit them on the web at performancefitness618.com or call 618-692-5063. Performance Fitness is the facility in the St. Louis Metro East where the focus is on member results, not membership numbers. 618-692-5063 or performancefitness618.com. Performance Fitness of Edwardsville. 